Guys uh, in church this morning, whether it's your hundredth time or your first time, you're really welcome to Destiny. One of the things I love about getting around different uh, Destiny locations is um, while the vibe and the people are different, you can cut down the middle and the DNA is the same. Um, so I feel like I'm at home today, even though this is not where I'm normally at. Um, I've got lots of friends in Leith. I go to a small group in Leith. Um, some of those guys are here this morning. Uh, it's so good uh, to be in Leith. Um, as Michael said, I am the youth pastor for the church, so I manage the work with secondary school pupils across all of our four locations. Um, but I'm originally from Northern Ireland, as you may have guessed by now, uh, like a few others. Uh, I came over uh, just under eight years ago. Um, sorry, I need to enunciate with my Irish accent. Eight is the translation. Um, I, I worked, studied for four years, uh, then I was a pensions consultant for a year, which was as boring as it sounds. Before God called me out of that, uh, I went to Destiny College, and I took on the youth ministry part-time, uh, and then about 18 months ago, I went full-time on church staff, um, and I absolutely love it. Uh, it's so good to have the youth guys in the service this morning. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's hear it for the youth. We believe as a youth ministry that actually the good news about Jesus can change the culture among young people in our city. We believe that actually as young people encounter Jesus for themselves, that they're going to be changed, that their families are going to be changed, that their friends are going to be changed, that their schools are going to be changed, and their community is going to be changed by the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does anyone want to give an amen to that this morning? Amen. Thank you for that. Um, and it's been exciting to be in this journey of grace, and God is growing us. Um, we have young people from all over the city coming together on a Friday night, bringing friends, seeing kids getting saved, um, and seeing an impact on their lives as they encounter Jesus. Um, Amanda has been doing an amazing job here in Leith. Um, we have a fantastic group of young people down here. Uh, I get to see them on a Friday, um, and they're doing amazing. Lots of them have brought friends along, and the group is growing um, and it's been uh, awesome to see Amanda take that and make it her own here. So if you see her, encourage her. Um, if you have any sort of uh, desire on your heart to be involved, then I would say get involved. This is an exciting journey that we're on as a youth ministry, uh, and there's space for you in that. Okay, anyone believe that God's good this morning? Yeah? Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good, and he's only getting started with you. As a church, we're in the middle of this series called Everyone Plays, Everyone Grows. Uh, it's our manifesto, our vision for serving in destiny. And the idea is that there is space for you here to be involved, and there is something for you to do and something for you to contribute, and you'll grow and change as a result of that. We've distilled it down to four statements, five statements, sorry, uh, and this is week number four. So week number one, I'm not going to test you, I'll just tell you them. Um, because it's Sunday morning, people are taking a while to get going. Number one, we see a church impacted by grace and serving with vision, passion, and excellence. Second week, we had, we see a church where everyone has a part to play. And then last week, Pastor Pete unpacked number three, which is we see a church where Jesus is our example and serving is a lifestyle. And I've got the privilege this morning of unpacking number four, which is we see a church where we discover our gifts. Let me pray before we turn to the Bible. God, thank you that you're here, that you have gone before us, that you want to meet with us in this place this morning. Thank you that your word has incredible power 
to go right into the depths of our hearts and the middle of our lives to cut through where we most need it. I just pray that you would help me to speak. I pray you'd help us to listen. We want to leave different to the way we started. Holy Spirit, come and move among us, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I was walking this morning in the most wealthy place in the world. Yeah, ooh, ooh. It wasn't um, Wall Street. It would have been a quick turnaround to get back. It wasn't the oil fields of the Middle East. It wasn't even Edinburgh University with all of its intellectual capital and research. I was walking around the graveyard beside my flat. And now I'm not a creep. <laughs> it's just a nice place for me to walk sometimes and pray. But I'm walking around this graveyard and a graveyard is the most wealthy place in the world because in a graveyard, there are dreams that were never fulfilled. There are books that are never written. There are projects that were never started. And I'm walking around this graveyard and I'm looking at the headstones and I'm thinking, what would I like to be written on my headstone at the end of my life? I don't know whether you've ever thought about that. I'm walking around and I'm seeing headstones with things written on them like, much missed, much beloved, or even if they were a follower of Jesus, with Christ, better by far. And I thought, what would I like to have written on my headstone? And I thought about this. I would like to have written on my headstone, he followed the purpose and plan and destiny of God with all of his heart. Wouldn't that be amazing for us if we call ourselves followers of Jesus this morning to get to the end of our life and to have written on our headstone, he or she fulfilled the whole purpose of God in their life with all their heart. That's why we're doing this series, because we believe that the key to that, the key to getting to the end of your life and saying, I am confident I have fulfilled the will of God in my life with all of my heart, is wrapped up in how you use your gifts and how you serve how you use your gifts, and how you serve. The Bible, let's turn to the Bible and see what it has to say about this. I believe every single one of you has a unique purpose given to you by God. Unique giftings to fulfill that purpose, and it's wrapped up in how you serve. 1 Peter 4, 7-11 says this. Hopefully it'll appear behind me. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, Love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So my plan this morning is to pick through this text because I think I see in this text four keys for us to get to the end of our lives and to be able to say we have, we have gone after the purpose and destiny God has placed in our hearts 100%. I think there are four keys in this passage that I see. Are you up for that? Great. Okay, number one, be alert. Okay, I have a confession to make. Is that, are we okay with the confession this morning? All right, okay. Sometimes, well, more than sometimes, I'm walking around, I walk quite a lot with a job that I do, I'm walking around, and I walk around like this. 
scrolling through my phone on my less holy days it's the BBC Sport website on my more holy days it's maybe the Bible app I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling along, I'm walking and then suddenly bang and I've walked into a lamppost or a person or a bus stop and sometimes I'm so disoriented that I actually apologize to the bus stop Is any, am I the only person that does that? please tell me this morning I'm not the only person that does that You see, it's like there's two things going on for me in that moment. Like, I've got two different stories going on. I've got the story of what's right in front of me, what I'm most absorbed with, what's taken my attention up, and I'm completely absorbed with it. And then I've got the bigger story that's unfolding all around me. And do you know this morning that the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the creator of each one of us, has a constantly unfolding bigger story all around us? But sometimes we're so absorbed with what's right in front of us, the story of me and I, that we miss being involved in God's bigger story that's unfolding all around us. Every day I've got two choices. I can choose to live as the lead actor in the life and times of Mark Johnson, or I can choose to play a supporting role in the bigger story of God, a story of, a man, of, of God becoming a man taking on human flesh, living the perfect life that we couldn't live, in love, going to the cross and dying the death that I and you deserve. It's the story of Jesus risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, ruling and reigning today. It's the story of a God who still wants to reach the broken, who still wants to reach the guilty, who still wants to reach the condemned, who still wants to reach the hurting. Except the story's changed now and he involves us as followers of Jesus, and he says, come and be involved in my story. So just like I need to become more alert of my surroundings, so today, before we even begin to talk about serving and finding our gifts, we need to become more alert to the bigger story of God unfolding all around us every day. That's exactly where Peter starts this passage. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be sober, be alert and of sober mind. Peter's saying, it's time to act. It's time to be alert. It's time to be intentional in what you're doing with your life. Throughout the letter, if you go back and you read it in your own time, he constantly refers to these believers as exiles and foreigners. He talks about Jesus coming back soon, repeatedly in the letter. His point is this. Your time on earth is short and temporary. You're only passing through. You're an eternal being and you have an eternal home when your life is ended here on this earth. Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it like this in the amplified version. I love this. He has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. Every single one of us in this room today has a sense of divine purpose planted in our hearts. So today, maybe we need to, before we think about where to serve and how to serve, we need to maybe turn away this morning from living our lives as though we're the lead character in our story, to repent from living a life focused on what's in front of us and missing the bigger story of God unfolding all around us. And I believe that as we do that, we're going to find a thrill and a joy like we've never experienced before in our entire lives because it's what we were made for. It's what we were created to do. 
Maybe you've never done that this morning. Maybe you've, you've been living your whole life absorbed in yourself. Maybe today for the first time you'll want to, to say, you know what, I'm going to turn away from them for myself. I'm going to trust Jesus' death on the cross. I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. I'll give you an opportunity at the end of my message if that's you this morning. Sometimes in my work I get to go into schools and I love going into schools because you get to meet a rich uh, a set of kids from all different backgrounds. Um, and so I've, I've recently been in, going into schools and I had two, uh, six, two boys look me square in the eye in school and say, life is, you can imagine what the next word was. Insert your own swear word there. Life is rubbish. What's the point? What's the point? Teenage boys look me dead in the eye and say, what's the point? We have a generation growing up that are completely purposeless. Totally, totally purposeless. And yet, just over a week ago, I took a group of eight young people during their half-term holidays to an elderly lady's house. This lady, had, her husband was in hospital with dementia. She had mobility issues. Um, she'd had to move a whole bunch of her stuff into one room. The place was a bit of a mess, to be honest. Nothing was where it should be. And she told us that she was entering into a very dark place, going in a downward spiral because she didn't know where to start. And this group of young people gave up a day of their holidays, came in and sorted all of her stuff out. And by the time she left, we left, she couldn't stop smiling. She said she felt like she had somewhere to start now. What, what drives a group of young people to give up a day of their holidays? Teenagers we're talking about here, right? You don't see teenagers on their holidays before 1 p.m. <laughs> that doesn't happen. What drives a group of eight teenagers in their holidays, their time to go into to, to make a difference in someone else's life? It has to be because there's a bigger yes burning inside them. It has to be because that they realize that they were created for others, created to make a difference. You are uniquely gifted by God to make a difference. Between your salvation and when Jesus comes back and your, your restoration, that's where lies your purpose and your calling. A guy called Stephen Covey said it like this, and I think this is really helpful. You have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, non-apologetically, to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. The enemy of the best is often the good. God doesn't just want you to have a good life. He wants you to have your best life. So maybe today you need to prioritize serving God and his bigger story more in your life? Do you need to create more space to serve him? Do you need to maybe ask for forgiveness for living as the lead character in your own story? And do you maybe need to say no to some things in order to prioritize God's calling in your life, the bigger yes in your soul? Don't settle for good and miss out on God's best. Okay, number two, you still with me? Good. Number two, find out your gifts and use them for the sake of others. Verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Every single person in this room has been given a gift by God's grace to serve others. Right now, you've got something in your hand. Whether you believe that or not, whether you know what it is or not, you have something in your hand. 
something that God has given you to fulfill your unique purpose on earth, your unique part of his story. The word for gift here is the Greek word charisma. It basically means a divine gratuity. It means something free from God. This is God's grace. We don't deserve this. We didn't do anything to earn this. But God has given it to us freely because he's good. It means an ability or a talent that God has given you to fulfill the unique thing that God has placed you on the planet for, for his glory. And there are loads of gifts listed in the Bible. If you read through the New Testament particularly, you can in your own time look at places like 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4. I'll just read a few of them. Things like faith, miracles, speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, prophecy, healing, mercy, leadership, exhortation, serving, teaching, evangelism, apostleship, pastoral care, hospitality. And this is far from an exhaustive list. That's just a few examples. And my role this morning is not to take every single one of those and explain them because we'd be here probably until dinner time. But I just want to give you a, a point of reference for you to go in your own time and have a look into those. Maybe you recognized one of those in, in the list that I've just said and you think, yeah, that's me. That's what I'm gifted in. I know that. I know that. That's been confirmed in my life multiple times. Maybe your gift isn't on the list that I've just named. It's not exhaustive. You might have a different gift. That's amazing. And maybe you don't think you're gifted at all. Well, let me tell you, you are. Don't take it just from me. Take it from the Word of God. Peter doesn't say here, some of you should use uh, the gift that you have if you have one. He says, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received. Each one of you, whatever. That means every single one of us has a gift. And it's to be used to serve others. And I believe that as we do that, that the church will flourish, that the good news of Jesus will have more effectiveness and impact in Leith and in the surrounding areas in the city for the glory of God. I grew up in a church, um, a more traditional church in Northern Ireland, and so often in that context, there is a certain degree of looking to the minister to do pretty much everything. Um, I, I love the church I grew up in, I got great grounding in scripture there, um, and I still go back there regularly, but I always thought there's bound to be more space here for other people to use their gifts. And do you know the word in this passage for use is actually minister? The word for use is minister. And there's this myth actually that, that those of us that perhaps are on full-time church staff or we're pastors that we're in full-time ministry full-time ministry. I want to tell you this morning that if, if you use your gifts for the service of others, you're in full-time ministry. That means that I'm in full-time ministry and you're in full-time ministry. So let's debunk this myth this morning. Let's not allow our lives to become part, compartmentalized where we have our church bit and we have the rest of our lives. Anytime, whether it's at work, whether it's with your kids or your family or in your sports team or at one of your, your hobbies that you go to and you use your gifts to minister to others, you're at that moment a minister. Rick Warren in his church talks about it like this. He says, every member a minister when he's talking about serving. And that's exactly how we feel about it at Destiny. It means that every one of you sitting here this morning, you're ministers and you can use your gifts to serve other people. We want to create space for you to be able to do that. A couple of weeks ago, um, not that long ago, actually probably about 10 days ago, Sammy was with us in youth um, on the Friday night. And uh, he was talking about speak, hearing from God. 
And what he did was at the end of his message, he got each of the young people to take a bit of paper and he wrote, he asked them to say to God, God, what do you want to say to me this morning um, or this evening? And then they would write down a letter to themselves as though it was from God. And it was kind of this cool moment when everything was quiet and each of the young people was around the room doing that. Uh, And then he got us into smaller groups and he said, okay, pray for God to speak to you for someone else in the group. And one of our female leaders actually in that moment had a picture uh, and felt like God had given her the significance of the picture. And she shared this with the group. And one of the girls looked her in the eye and said, that's what I wrote in my letter. That's what I wrote in my letter. And she had this incredible moment where she couldn't stop smiling at the end of the night because God used her to speak directly into the life of a 13-year-old girl in a way that changed something, that broke something. And do you know what? That's what she was made to do. And every single person in this room, that's what you're made for. You're made for those moments where you come away and you're like, only God could have done that. I can't believe that God used me to do that. And in those moments, it's when we, that's, that's the moment that we feel most alive. And if you've never experienced that, I would encourage you. God has that for you this morning as you use your gifts to serve him. Okay, let's make it a little bit more practical. A few practical tips for actually finding your gift and growing it. Number one, do something, do anything. If you're not sure what you're gifted in, do something, do anything. Don't just wait around for God's calling to kind of drop out of the sky and present itself in front of you. Just get involved. See, when you come home for a family gathering, you don't walk into your house and your mom or your dad or your brother says, hey, would you peel the potatoes? You look them in the eye and say, sorry, I'm not called to peel potatoes. That's crazy, right? That's nuts. That doesn't happen in family. And this is family. This is family. So where there's a need and you're not sure where you're gifted, do your best to meet it. And I believe God will honor you in that and help you shape more clearly what you're actually called to and gifted in. It might not be the first team you try. It might not be the second one, the third one, the fourth one, or the fifth one. But as you step up and meet needs, God will hone in on the things that you're most gifted in. You see, there was a big rugby match yesterday. Scotland did all right, didn't they? Very well, very good. But you, you, can, you can think about those guys on the bench when that game is happening. And I'm surprised that they're sitting down, to be honest. If I, wasn't, if I was on the bench, I would not be sitting down. I would be on the edge of the pitch, like nearly passing every ball, making every tackle. And you see, those guys don't learn anything about how, how good rugby players they are sitting on the bench. There's a desperation to be involved, and it's so different to be involved in the game than to sit on the bench. So I want to encourage you this morning that it's so different to come here and to spectate than it is to actually be involved. And as you step off the bench and into the game, you actually start to grow and learn about yourself and contribute to this incredible thing called the local church, which Jesus died for and God is building. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where to get involved, grab one of the bulletin sheets. There's loads of gaps there. They're all listed. Fill out a welcome card to to ask for more information. There is space for you to get plugged in. Number two, check for seeds. What does that mean? What has been planted in you over the years? Whenever I was 16, I I did this scripture union camp, and it was brilliant. It was such a good camp because this group of adults invested in us, and we ran a camp for P7 kids. 
we ran the whole camp as 16, 17-year-olds, um, and they just kind of were there if anything went wrong. And so I, I was given the talk on the last night, and um, I'd never really done much like that before. And I remember giving this talk and just really feeling the presence of God and feeling like God used me in that moment. And um, I'm walking up the stairs afterwards, and, and it was my history teacher at the time. He was also a leader in the camp. And we're walking together, and he just turned to me and he said, I really feel like you're gifted in that. Pursue it. Use it. And I never forgot that. I didn't think that 10 years later I'd be doing this. I had no idea. But a seed was planted in me in that moment. And God has watered that seed over the years. What's been planted in you? What have people said about you? What moments have people said, you're really good at that? I feel like God's gifted you in that. Have you ever thought about pursuing that further? Because that's usually a really good sign, good marker of what God has actually put in your life, what God has gifted you in. Number three, ask for feedback. If you're in a small group or you're already in a serving team, why don't you ask the people around you, what have you seen me do that you think I've been really good at? Where do you think my gifting is? What do you think I'm called to do? You'll have a great opportunity to do this in your small groups this week. Maybe this is the week that you should join a small group if you've not joined one. Um, Pastor Graham has picked out a spiritual gift survey. And that's not the be-all and end-all. That's not a sign, sealed, and delivered. But it, it just helps us, answer some questions to work out what, 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 we're, what we're gifted in, what God has called us to do. So take the opportunity to do that this week. And then finally in this practical session, ask yourself two questions. Number one, what's your passion? And number two, what really frustrates you? Because those two things are two sides of the same coin. Maybe you come here on a Sunday and you think, oh, I can't believe they do that in the kids' team. <sighs> if I was in the kids' team, I'd do it differently. Or maybe you come and, and you're getting your cup of tea or coffee and you think, oh, they've done that again. <laughs> they've done that again. Don't sit on the sidelines and make critical comments. Get involved and be that change. Get involved and be that change in that team. An American actress called Lily Tomlin put it this way. She said, I always thought somebody should do something about that. Then I realized I was somebody. You are somebody. Don't sit on the sidelines and make comments. Get involved and make a change. Number three, we doing okay? Number three, move from being a generalist to a specialist. Verse 11 says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Here, Peter is encouraging the use of a specific gift with excellence. He's highlighted this particular gift, and he's honed in on it, and he's encouraging whoever uses that gift to use it to the very best of their ability for God's glory. Some of you, and at points in my life, I've lived this way too. We live in frustration because we have an idea or a sense of what God's put in our hearts, what he's called us uniquely to do, but what we do in our day-to-day -day lives and on a Sunday doesn't line up with that. And we have this frustration in us because we're not really quite putting our gifts to the use we know we were, we were called to do. The best way to fulfill that purpose that God has placed in your heart is to devote yourself primarily to the things that you're gifted in, to devote 90% of your time to those one or two or more, maybe more things that you know specifically God has gifted me for this. But a little caveat, a little but. Let's remember in all this that this is not about building us. It's not about building my gifts, me and I. This is about prioritizing what God prioritizes. 
This is about building the local church, about it having influence right across our city, the best influence and biggest influence it possibly can so that God gets glorified, people get saved and reconnected with him. So it's not about you. And another caveat, this doesn't happen overnight. We don't just suddenly move to specialists overnight. This is a process. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm so far away from that. That's okay. Maybe you just need to take a small step towards that and another small step and another small step. You might be sitting there and you might be thinking, all right, yeah, fine, okay, but I've got a day job. How's my day job fit into this? I think there are three ways your day job can possibly fit into this. First of all, maybe your day job is your purpose or your destiny. Maybe that is what God has called you to do. Maybe you're a doctor or an accountant, a teacher, a social worker, and actually you feel in your heart that's what you're primarily passionate about. That's what you love. That's what gets you up out of bed in the morning. I would say, brilliant. Be the best doctor, accountant, social worker, or teacher you can possibly be for the glory of God. And bring Jesus with you to work. Bring his kingdom to earth as you go into your workplace every day. We've got a guy on our youth team, and um, he's a doctor. And when you talk to him, his eyes light up about being a doctor. He can't stop talking about it. He loves it. It's obvious to me that that's what he was made to do. That's what he's wired for. That's what God has gifted him for. And yet he shows up on a Sunday, and he pours himself into some, a group of, small group of teenage boys. He's not forgotten the local church. He's not forgotten what Jesus died for. And he uses his gifting there as well as in his, in his workplace. Secondly, maybe your work facilitates your destiny. Maybe you've got a job that gives you lots of free time or you're paid well and actually it releases you and allows you to do the thing that you actually feel like you were primarily created for. Maybe your work releases you to do more work with the homeless. Maybe your work releases you to, to play in a worship band or to, um, to reach out in, in evangelism. Fantastic. What a privilege. What a joy. Celebrate that. Finally, maybe you're just not passionate about your job right now or you're unemployed, or you've no idea how that lines up with your purpose or calling. There might be a number of people in that situation today. Whenever I left university, I started this job in the pensions consultancy. And I'd done an internship with them, and I started, they offered me the job, and I, I took it. And then I started the job, um, I started it, and I was like, oh yeah, I didn't really enjoy this when I was an intern. And so I'm doing this job, and I probably, and I absolutely hated it. I was studying for professional exams at the same time and got into work and coming out and just really wrestling with not enjoying this job. And I did from September through to Christmas. And then coming back in January, I was like, I can't do this. I want to quit. I'm out. I don't know how I'm going to, I can't handle it anymore. And at that time, I got some fantastic advice that really, really helped me. The advice was this. It said, you'll know when the right time to move on is when three things line up. Number one, you'll have a restlessness. And I definitely had a restlessness. Number two, you'll have an opportunity that allows you to come more in line with the purpose and calling that God's put in your heart. And number three, you'll have people around you that will affirm you for that opportunity and they'll say, that's, that's it. That, that's what God has called you to do it. And at that stage, I only had a restlessness. And so I made a choice. I said, God, I want to move. I know this is not your end for me. I know that you've placed some degree of Christian leadership in my heart but I trust you that you're going to do that at the right time. And I made a choice to commit myself 100% to that job, commit myself to the exams, study hard, work as hard as I possibly could. And that was really difficult. Every day, I would go to the toilet. Anyone pray toilet prayers? Just throw it out there. <laughs> I'd go to the toilet and I'd just pray, God, give me joy in what I'm doing. 
give me joy in what I'm doing. I want to do this with a smile on my face. I want to learn as much as I can. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. I learned so much. And about eight months later was the time when I moved on and went to Destiny College. I wouldn't give up those eight months for anything. I learned how to be in submission to people that were above me. I learned how to work on a task that I didn't enjoy with joy. I learned how to God, bring God into my workplace. I got the opportunity to share my faith with my colleagues and to pray for them. I tell you what, that prepared me for what God had anointed me for. Maybe today you're in that situation that I'm talking about. I just want to encourage you, be faithful where you are. Trust that God will move you at the right time. Trust that he will help you to bring you more in line with the calling and purpose he's placed in your life, but stick in. This season's important. God is preparing you for what he's actually anointed you for. Don't skip out on that. David's a great example of this. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, it says this. This is just before David goes to fight Goliath. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Now let's rewind a little bit. When Samuel came to anoint the king, where was David? He was out with the sheep. He didn't even make the line up right. He was out with the sheep because that was what his father told him to do. And yet here we see that being out with the sheep, being obedient, being faithful, prepared him to stand and fight Goliath. Just by sticking in, being faithful, doing what his father told him to do, he gained all of the skills he needed to step into his anointing at the right time. That's what God has for some of you this morning. That's where you're at. He's preparing you to step into your anointing at the right time. He's putting all the skills and all the character and all the gifting is being honed and channeled into that point when you can step forward and say, I'm ready to fight Goliath now. That's what's going on for some of you. So maybe now God is, is using, so be faithful where you're at and trust him that he, at the right time he'll allow you to step closer and more in line with what God has put, placed on your heart. Okay, last point. Still with me? Good. Number four, kill comparison. Kill comparison. As human beings, we love to compare ourselves to others, don't we? Whether it's comparing ourselves to someone who has gone further than us, who's more effective than us, who's more fruitful than us, who works harder than us, who has more gifting than us, and thinking, I could never really be like them. Or maybe we deliberately compare ourselves with people that we know have gone less far than us or appear less fruitful than us or less effective than us to make ourselves feel better. And we kind of ping pong between despair and elation, between discouragement and pride. And actually, frankly, it's completely exhausting and it totally takes away from our effectiveness and what God has placed in our hands. Let me say this really clearly. Your gift is not my gift. Your capacity for serving is not the same as your, the capacity for serving the person beside you or the person in front of you. You see, in these verses we read earlier, Peter encourages us to use our gifts to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You want to translate that phrase? Another translation for that phrase is motley. Have you ever seen a pirate film and a motley crew? 
you guy with a peg leg. You got a girl with longer hair and big hooped earrings who's really feisty. You got the guy with the parrot on his shoulder, the guy with one eye. It's kind of a bit like you guys. The point is this, though it's a motley grace. It's a random distribution of different gifts. You're not all the same, you're different. Jesus gives a perfect example of this in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. I'm not going to read it now, I'm just going to summarize it. He gives two talents, one talent, two talents, five talents, which is a sum of money, to a group of servants. It's a master going on a holiday. And he comes back from his holiday, and, he, and the first guy comes with his five, and he says, yeah, I've invested your five, I worked hard, here's your five and five more, ten. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Number two comes in, with, and he says, I've invested my two, got two more, here's your four, He's well done and good and faithful servant. And the last guy buries his talent in the ground and he gets uh, strongly rebuked. But the point is this. Number one and number two, first guy had five, grew it to ten. Second guy had two, grew it to four. Both of those guys increased what was in their hand 100%. God does not gift us equally, but he does expect us to maximize what's in our hand. I think Jesus deliberately set up this parable this way to encourage us to not worry about what someone else has. You see, it's totally unrealistic to compare. And I have to be honest this morning and say I really struggle with this. I'm not trained as a youth pastor. God called me to this and I've been making it up as I go along and by his grace. Um, But sometimes I look at other youth pastors and I look at other youth ministries and I think they've got more young people than us. He leads his team so much better than I lead mine. They're having so much more effect on the community than I'm having. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm comparing, comparing, comparing. And then it's stop. Stop. He's at a different point where you're at because he started from a different place where you started. Some of you really need to hear that this morning. You're looking around and you're comparing someone else's destination when you didn't start from the same place they started from. That's crazy. How could you be at the same place they're at if you didn't start from the same place? It just blunts our effectiveness and our joy in maximizing what's in our hands. So I want to encourage you this morning, live with blinkers. Don't worry about what someone else has got or where someone else is at. Live with blinkers. Take what's in your hand and maximize it. Give 100% to it. Maybe some of you actually stopped serving and using your gift because you looked at someone else that had the same gift and you were like, I'm not as good at that as they are. They're more fruitful than me. Maybe today's the day you need to step back into the game. Put your blinkers on and maximize what God's put in your hand. 1 Corinthians 12 puts it perfectly in these two verses. It says this, 18, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And verse 27 of the same chapter says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Today's the day to get back in the game. You are the body of Christ. God has placed you uniquely in that body with your unique gifting and your unique place. When Jesus returns, as he said he would, just like the master comes back in the story, let's not stand before him wishing we'd done more with what was in our hand. Let's not stand before him thinking, wishing we'd built less of our own thing and built more towards what he was building. So, Four keys to having a headstone at the end of our lives that reads, fulfilled the purpose and plan of God with all of our heart. Number one, be alert. Maybe it's time to stop living our lives as we're the lead character and to submit to God's bigger story unfolding around us. Number two, find your gift and use it to serve others. 
do something, do anything. Look for the seeds. Ask yourself, what frustrates me? What's my passion? And ask for feedback. Number three, move to being a specialist. Align your life as closely as possible with God's purpose and gifting. And if you're frustrated, hang in until the right time to move. Be faithful where you're at. And four, kill comparison. Focus on maximizing what God has placed in your hand. Let's pray. I think there are potentially two responses this morning as we've heard what God has had to say. I know that take a moment just to reflect yourself. Maybe something that I've said has just pricked your heart and you know God has been speaking to you. Respond to that. But maybe you're here this morning and actually you've never chosen to follow Jesus. You've never chosen to repent from living life for yourself and to live solely for God, to trust what Jesus has done at the cross, to receive forgiveness and a blank slate and to walk into a relationship with the God who made you. I'm going to give you a chance to do that just now. So if that's you and you're saying, you know what, today I'm turning away from living for me and I want to live for God, just pray this simple prayer under your breath. Father God, thank you for your love for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Today I choose to turn away from being the lead character in my own story. I thank you for dying for me. And I choose today to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for hearing my prayer, for being that you're alive today and for bringing me into your family. Amen. Now, while everyone's responding and people's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, um, I want to pray for you if you made that choice today, if you chose to accept Jesus as your Savior for the first time. So just to know who I'm praying for, I'd love it if you could just shoot your hand up and down again really quickly. If that's you today, it's a big decision. You're saying, Mark, I know God is real and I want to live for him. And Just shoot your hand up and down. I'll wait for a second. I don't, I don't see any hands um, that's okay um, if you did pray that prayer and you want someone to pray for you then, then grab, grab someone at the end of the service but maybe there's a second response maybe actually as I've been speaking you've been convicted of just you know what maybe I have been struggling to live for the bigger story of God in my life I want to stop living for myself I've been struggling I've been absorbed in my own stuff I've been absorbed in me and myself and I And today I want to make a fresh commitment to living for the purpose of God in my life. And if that's you, then I want you to do something. I'd love love to pray for you. I'd love to encourage you in that. I'd love to ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you to do that. In order to know who I'm praying for, I'd love you just to stand where you are this morning. If you're saying, you know what, I'm recommitting myself to the bigger story of life. I'd love you to stand just where you are and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. wait for a little bit longer and then I'll pray is there anyone else just before I pray thank you God thank you for these people that have stood as a response to what you've been saying this morning 
Thank you for their heart to turn away from being absorbed in their own things to submitting themselves afresh to the will and purpose and plan of God in their lives. Holy Spirit, I pray, come now and fill them. Fill them from the top of their feet to the bottom, the bottom of their feet to the top of their head. God, for this fresh season in their lives. God, I pray they'd find such joy and such a thrill from resubmitting themselves to your bigger story in their lives. Open doors where doors have been shut. Use them mightily, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.